from the sensible to the va-va-vum, lingerie is revealing in more ways than one, be it sex, gender, class, morality or style. And it's an amazing and intriguing part of our fashion history. Lingerie, that final barrier to our naked body, remains a topic of enduring fascination and is in an almost constant flux of change. From the loincloth of the 5th century BC to chemises from the Middle Ages, undergarments have always served a purpose, but with a new ethos. Lingerie manages to achieve more and more. Chantal Thomas, a French lingerie designer, observed, The essence and attitude of lingerie is all in the suggestion. And it's that relationship between dress and the body, function and appearance that's been redefined over time. Was embroidery greatly used on undergarments and as a result actually hidden from view? Of course it was, and some of it was and is quirkily surprising. The styles of both men's and women's undergarments have changed dramatically throughout the course of history, but what appears in some extant undergarments is an often richly wicked sense of humour, cleverly worked in a variety of embroidery techniques, along with a love of beauty both in the fabric and the embellishments of lace and embroidery. Let's expose and uncover this hidden world of women's uh, embroidered undergarments and bring them to light in this modern world of the boringly generic and mass-produced. Let's step into a world of luxury, humour and, yes, seduction. Now, who'd want to cover that up? Hello and welcome to the Stitch Safari podcast, a sprightly and upbeat expedition into the alluringly appealing ambrosial world of stitch history, art and embroidery. Each fortnight we'll trek through and discover the utilitarian, the decorative, the quirky and the just plain fun world that is the art of the needle. My name's Cathy Jack Copeland and I'm the Stitch Safari Expedition Leader. I'm an Australian textile artist, teacher, judge, blogger and stitch enthusiast whose work in contemporary machine stitch became my business. From the French word ling or linen, directly referencing the material from which underwear was traditionally made, lingerie has now become a generic term to describe underwear that's moved beyond practical function to one of pleasure and enjoyment. And apparently this intimate apparel comes in two types, hard and soft. Who'd have thought? But it makes sense. Hard lingerie is made up of items such as structured corsets, crinolines, bustles and bras, while soft lingerie consists of unstructured garments such as chemises, teddies, camisoles, slips, nightgowns, knickers and panties. 
And not to be forgotten are the technological advances of the fashion manufacturing industry that have allowed the extravagant embroidery, delicate trims and luxurious yet comfortable fabrics that are now used to create such beautiful and beguiling lingerie. Just imagine if all of this had to be worked by hand. What I've learned is that lingerie is all about the silhouette, as well as the age of the wearer. When fashions change, so too the silhouette changes. And older women don't normally adopt fashions their much younger daughters happily embrace, extending and prolonging fashion timeline dates. And interestingly, at the turn of the 20th century, lingerie was an indication of conflicting gender relations. The suffragette movement evinced a sea change in sexual politics, yet lingerie from that period suggested a more traditional brand of femininity, downplaying the female form to the status of a mere object. So... Let's work through a few eras to gauge just where embroidery surfaced on garments that rarely get to see the light of day. And embellishment go hand in hand. A beautiful suite of 16th century Italian heavy linen undergarments features embroidery in coloured silks outlined in gold and silver thread, indicating Someone valued these undergarments enough to embellish them with expensive embroidery and even more expensive metal threads. Worked around the edges of the neck, sleeves and around the bottom of a chemise, around the legs of the drawers uh, and knickers and along the tops of stockings, creating a beautiful set of embroidered undergarments. Another extant piece is a pair of women's knickers thought to have been worn by a Venetian courtesan around 1630. Repeated across the drawers in a double running stitch pattern is the statement, I want the heart stitched over and over again. To shake off the strict hand of the Puritans, the Stuarts allowed underclothes to take on a little more sexual allure. Men showed off their ruffled shirts with puffed sleeves and women's dresses became less rigid, cut to flaunt prettily embroidered petticoats. Chemises were heavily perfumed to overcome body odours and were sometimes trimmed with pretty laces. It's difficult to determine if drawers were worn at this time, although the suggestion is that French women did, along with prostitutes and courtesans. The Victorian era. Not surprisingly, this is a time when numerous layers of underclothes were worn, including a chemise, knee-length drawers with an open crutch, a corset, stockings, a camisole, a short horse crinoline and three or more starched ankle-length petticoats. Phew! primarily white or unbleached beige with little lace or embroidery, as this was considered indecent. 
Thankfully, along came the Edwardians with a focus on creating supremely dainty and frivolous things, varying greatly in quality, design and type. The Edwardian era saw women other than prostitutes begin to use underwear to designate sexual occasions. It's also the first time in history that women's underthings were being mass-produced in factories, ordered in mail-order catalogues and in the new department stores. This was the time where a garment called the lingerie dress or lingerie frock, primarily worn by younger women, became fashionable. So named because they were made from cotton, linen or silk, using embellishment techniques such as embroidery, inset lace, faggoting, tone-on-tone embroidery, pin tucks and other delicate detailing originally used on lingerie such as petticoats, chemises and other forms of lingerie. This style of dress is not to be confused with the elegant tea gowns also popular at this time. We also know from the previous episode of Stitch Safari that corsets and stays were flossed using simple, delicate embroidery techniques, both as an embellishment, but also as a means of prolonging the life of the garment. And, ooh la la, a glimpse of stocking was no longer shocking, as Cole Porter wrote in his hit musical Anything Goes, when in 1900, Queen Alexandra proudly displayed a glimpse of her handmade embroidered stockings, now currently housed in the Victoria and Albert Museum in London. Somewhat scandalous at the time, it soon became acceptable for women to expose their stockinged lower legs and perhaps Queen uh, England's Queen Alexandra played a role in that. Then came the wonderful 1920s with a completely different look and a completely different silhouette where underwear was as pretty as the outerwear. This was a time of huge change in what was worn underneath dresses. Gone are the layers supplanted by a brassiere with a teddy. It's also when we begin to see the emergence of coloured undergarments in peach, pink, pastel green and flesh. Fabrics included cotton, silk in the form of satin, pongee, shantung, crepe sheen and silk glove. Rayon or artificial silk became popular after 1924. Embellishments included chantilly lace, applique, embroidery, pin tucks, pico edging and ribbon flowers. In the early 1940s, Lady Betty Holman was so pleased with her chiffon knickers embroidered with birds and hunters that she showed them to a group of Iraqi women hoping to break the language barrier. And it worked. They were delighted. Lady Betty's knickers are now housed in the Royal Pavilion and Museum. What it showed was that embroidery is a common language and has the ability to break down barriers such as language. Even World War II saw the advent of souvenir lingerie, evidenced by a rayon uh, satin bra and brief set made somewhere in East or Southeast Asia circa 1940, especially 
for the US servicemen stationed at bases across East and Southeast Asia. While not to be worn, these lingerie sets would have been purchased by soldiers as gifts for their sweethearts and were often embroidered with tongue-in-cheek messages, floral or dragon motives and sometimes the army base location and year. One extant example of this souvenir lingerie set is in pale blue rayon satin. The bra is embroidered with the message, sweet, sour, don't touch, along with a heart motive. The knickers are embroidered with, keep your pants on until I come home, off limits and a floral motive. There's also a zipper in the crutch to further reinforce the overtly obvious embroidered message. Another example is a pale pink lingerie set showing a similarly cheeky, kitsch, lingerie aesthetic with vintage sex appeal. These lingerie sets have become highly appealing to vintage collectors, selling upwards of $300, but have also generated reproductions for lingerie enthusiasts to wear or simply admire. The 1950s saw the return of the hourglass silhouette demanding more rigid foundation garments such as corsets and stiff tulle petticoats. However, these styles were directly contrasted in the following decade when unstructured lingerie in featherweight fabrics were worn to complement the revealing youth-driven clothing styles. The 60s were defined by the mini skirt and tights that replaced stockings and suspenders. The 1970s saw a lingerie revival led by English designer Janet Rieger, whose ranges of lingerie were described by English journalist and cultural commentator Angela Carter as part of the fantasy courtesan syndrome of the sexy exec where working women regain the femininity they lost behind the office desk. Under those austere tailor-made suits, women wore sensual camisoles and petticoats of lace, chiffon and crepe de chine, offsetting accusations of mannishness. Luxurious undergarments made a comeback in the 1980s, items such as lace teddies and provocative bustiers inspired by past designs. Lacy camisoles could be seen peeping through power suit jackets and this is the decade when the subversive concept of underwear as outerwear is most commonly associated. Lingerie has long served as inspiration for fashion garments. Victoria's Secret and Fredericks of Hollywood led the 1990s lingerie revival with Victoria's Secret estimated to have sold 600 items of lingerie per minute in the year 2000. The 21st century's expanding lingerie market offers styles from the classic to the fashion forward, providing everything from comfort to sensual seduction. But it doesn't stop there. Artist Zoe Buckman explored conflict between her love of hip-hop music and her fight for feminism in her Every Curve project. 
Zoe referenced women by hand embroidering Biggie and Tupac uh, lyrics onto a dazzling array of vintage slips, bras and undergarments. Zoe states, As a feminist, my approach is not to shun other music and say, that's bad, I never want to listen to this. My approach is to take their words and create them as something beautiful and thought-provoking. Her vintage pieces deliberately explore representations of women throughout history while also tackling the idea of embroidery and hand sewing as traditional women's work. Her messages and the lingerie seem at odds, yet are surprisingly compelling to say the least, using delicately feminine lingerie juxtaposed with lyrics positioning the subordination of women, a a view long held in hip-hop culture. And it's that juxtaposition of the genre's often crude attitude to women rendered in embroidery on utterly feminine undergarments that result in deeply thought-provoking artworks. As uh, Zoe later says, I don't think that you have to always present as angry, masculine and aggressive to be a feminist. And over time, women have done some bizarre and illogical things to look desirable and sexy, enabled and empowered by the lingerie they wear. It's an endless circle of revival and comebacks time and time again, largely influenced by culture and the outlook of that period on sex. Yet lingerie's rationale remains the same to alter outward appearance and to foster hygiene. Remember those revealing necklines post-World War II? That's all thanks to the invention of the strapless uh, strapless push-up and adhesive bras, all cleverly used in marketing strategies using pin-up models in suggestive poses. Let's face it, sex sells. Yet today's millennials have a pretty mixed reaction to sexy lingerie. So let's remember Carrie Fisher wearing a metal string bikini made from patent copper in Star Wars, Kim Kardashian wearing a corset to the Met Gala, or Kate Moss wearing a transparent slip and Britney Spears wearing a G-string over low-waisted jeans. But for me, it's the iconic images of Marilyn Monroe in movies like The Seven Year Itch, How to Marry a Millionaire and Gentlemen Prefer Blondes that truly epitomise the ideal coalescence of dress and lingerie, form and figure, structured and unstructured. That silhouette is unforgettable. Well, this has been a pretty amazing journey, I have to say. I hope you've all enjoyed it as much as I have. I'd never seen those World War II souvenir sets made especially for US servicemen before. They're quirky but absolutely fascinating. Thank you for your time. It's truly appreciated. But wait! There's always more to come in 2022, so do stay tuned and subscribe. Stitch Safari's now reached over 9,500 downloads, and that's all thanks to you.
It's also been mentioned as one of the 20 best embroidery podcasts of 2021 by Warp magazine and listed in the top five textile industry podcasts as at January 2022 by Feedspot. And I'm extremely grateful. Please leave a message and subscribe to the Stitch Safari podcast. There's just so much more to discover and it is all so fascinating. I do post interesting tidbits on Instagram and Facebook from time to time, as well as book reviews and a blog on the Stitch Safari website. So do head on over. Till the next exciting episode of Stitch Safari and our next inspiring adventure into stitch, embroidery and design. Bye for now. <laughs>